The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to the show, you know I always appreciate it. Uh, I just got back from a double loop of classes, I did four classes over the course of eight days. The trip totally kicked my ass, but uh, it was a good time. It was uh, really worth it. Saw a lot of really awesome piercers, uh, had a lot of good questions, and a lot of just nice interactions, a lot of nice dinners, too. So I brought my portable recorder with me, and uh, I captured some stuff on the on the trips, uh, some stuff while I was driving, and then I kind of did some sit-down interviews with people. So you can hear me kind of on my way on the uh, on the journey. Uh, I stopped off at Pleasurable Piercing in New Jersey, and uh, I did a small class there. So sat down for a little bit with the staff, captured some information about uh, Wild Bill and some of the history of Pleasurable Piercing, uh, and then I was kind of off to the next uh, the next area and. Uh, on my journeys, I also met up with uh, Ed Chavaria. We kind of sat down for a little bit at a diner and just talked about some uh, some different things related to the industry. It's always good to see Ed. We have a, a really nice rapport. We, we kind of talked over breakfast for like over an hour. And uh, then I was like, oh, you know what? I should probably re- be recording this. So we recorded a little bit more, but then I had to get in my car and, and just keep driving again. But, uh, you know, the recordings go on. Uh, I do a, another little drop in when I was kind of on my way to Iowa. And it was like, I think right after the Chicago class. And I was just like dead, dead tired. Um, but, you know, like that good kind of tired where you feel like you accomplished something, but you just don't really have a lot of gas left in the tank. But it was a good trip. Totally worth it. Uh, I also recorded a little bit in Iowa with uh, with Rob Hill and Woodstock Bader, Key Bader, and we just kind of sat down uh, over some, some burgers and, and chatted a little bit. Uh, it's kind of a short segment, but then after we ate, we recorded uh, a longer interview that I'll use uh, coming up over the next few weeks. So I've got about an hour-long interview with Rob and Woodstock that, that turned out pretty good. But for this episode, really just kind of a, a log of the, the journey. So uh, I hope you enjoy that a little bit. Just to drop it in there, uh, if you're interested in these classes that I'm talking about, I've got one open for registration in Fort Myers, Florida on Monday, October 28th. That's going to be the triple, uh, triple threat seminar, anatomy and septums and doth piercing. And lately, you know, if I have uh, spare time, I'll usually drop in a bonus class, maybe the nipples class or something. So I've got some spots open for that. I've got about five or six spots available for that one still. So if you want to register, uh, now would be the time. You don't want to miss out on a spot. It's going to be kind of a, a smaller class for that one. And then I've got uh, two classes available in Atlanta in November, the 18th and 19th, and that's going to be the full day understanding and applying freehand piercing techniques workshop. That's always a really good one, you know, really uh, hands-on. You get to really kind of actually practice things, and I can kind of guide people through not only just bevel theory, but also things like needle bending. Uh, Lately, I've been getting a lot of questions on needle crushing, so I'm definitely going to be covering that in the class, and you can do some like live needle dynamics, and you can really see the the effects that you get with needle crushing and you know bevel theory and, and all that stuff 
Uh, also, uh, I just got an invite the other day to uh, go over to London and speak at an art conference about contemporary scarification. I know that's not really directly related to piercing, but it is in the, the body art realm. I'm going to be doing that uh, a little bit later on in October, so maybe I can get some content there for, for that trip. Maybe do like a special like scarification wizard podcast or, or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, this is kind of a longer episode with a bunch of little bits, so uh, enjoy it, and maybe I'll be back a little bit at the end. All right, so it's like uh, two in the afternoon on Sunday. I recorded a longer intro, but I think it was kind of boring, so I'm going to record a shorter intro. Uh, I'm in my car. I worked all day yesterday at the shop, went in at 11 for piercing some little kids, pierced all day. Very busy day, very challenging day with a lot of tough clients, but a lot of awesome piercings. Uh, Really good uh, end of the day total, so I felt really good about it. Had to stay a little bit late to do the payroll paperwork. Um, Sorry, I don't want to get in a car accident while I'm recording this. Did the payroll stuff, uh, got in my car, drove to Connecticut and got a hotel overnight, which was definitely the right decision because it gave me enough time this morning to uh, tweak my classes, do a look, couple little updates, you know, make sure all the info is as good as it can be. And uh, now I'm on my way to New Jersey. I, I just crossed over the line into New York. I've got about uh, maybe 45 minutes to go to get to uh, where I'm heading in New Jersey. I'm gonna teach a class there today uh, bevel theory and septum piercings, uh, private class just for one shop. I uh, decided to drive for this one because tomorrow I'm teaching in Baltimore. Uh, normally I would fly to Baltimore, but uh, driving down gave me the opportunity to, to teach this extra class in New Jersey today. So I figured I'd give it a shot uh, taking a road trip. After the class tonight in New Jersey, I gotta just get in my car and head straight to Baltimore. I'm gonna get a hotel there for the night so that uh, I can wake up tomorrow and be fresh and ready for that class in Gambrels, Maryland at Freya Body Piercing. Uh, Looking forward to that. Should be a a, a good group. I think it's just going to be under 30 people. We're going to be doing anatomy stuff, uh, nipple stuff, septum stuff. I've I've made a lot of updates to my nipple class, put in a lot of information about different surgical considerations, uh, transgender, transitional surgeries, hormone replacement therapy, breast augmentation, all, all different kinds of stuff that I think can be really useful for a lot of piercers. Uh, going to be touching on anatomy, which is always super helpful. If you've never gotten a chance to take an anatomy class, definitely take a, a piercer-specific anatomy class at, at conference or you know try to find a way to get a private one in. Uh, and then I'm going to be doing the septum class, which is always you know kind of high up there in the popularity for requests. I think a lot of people struggle with septum, so I talk a lot about a different different techniques, freehand and receiving tubes and clamps, and my struggles and, and journey like, through the years and uh, getting my most comfortable procedure that I'm that I'm doing now. So uh, that should be pretty good. And then after that class, we'll grab some dinner. But then I'm going to get in my car and just start heading north. Uh, I'm going to stay overnight in Delaware and then meet up with Ed Chavaria in Philly for lunch and maybe a little bit of podcasting if we have time on Tuesday. Then uh, drive north. I really want to get through New York before rush hour. Uh, So hopefully uh, everything should go smooth with the travel. Everything's been great so far. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to try to capture some, uh, some content for you on the way. Maybe talk to some of the people taking these classes and thinking about maybe making like a, a travelogue episode of the the podcast. I'm going to be doing this loop this week and then next week I'm going to be doing Chicago and Iowa so maybe I can just make one big episode with all the travel bits uh, and talk to some people along the way. So thanks for listening. Hopefully this one uh, is a little bit less long-winded than the last one. So first off, 
Um, why don't you just kind of go around and just introduce yourselves, and then we can talk about the, the shop and the business a little bit. Okay. Okay. We'll start with you. Okay. My name is Judy Krebs, and I'm president of Pleasurable Piercings and Silk City Tattoo. I'm Willow Terzo. I'm the head piercer here at Pleasurable Piercings. I'm Jasper Volk. I'm a three-year piercer at Pleasurable Piercings. I'm Amanda Berger. I'm a new piercer, but um, counter, you know, president for <laughs> five years now. So, how how long has the business been in business? Quite a few years. Um, we opened here in 1995. We had a grand opening in September 1995 um, at 417 Lafayette Avenue. Before that, we were in 1993 at 7 Garfield Avenue, which is where the tattoo shop is now. But we kind of outgrew that. Um, before that, if you want to know how it all started. Please. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little longer, but I'll try to shorten it. Okay. Um, my son, who passed away 12 years ago, Wild Bill, he belonged to a motorcycle club. They had a dance every Friday night in Manville that he went to, and he noticed some people had tables set up. They were selling things, leather goods and things like that. He always liked to sell things. He always had things going on. <laughs> so he went out to Sturgis that year on his Harley by himself, and on the way back he stopped in New Orleans and he went to a flea market and he saw some really nice jewelry. It was just, just regular jewelry. It wasn't anything to do with body jewelry. And he brought it back and he started showing it to people, his friends at the dance and they all, they all liked it, bracelets and necklaces and things. It was mostly silver. It was very like marcasite, even pretty. Mm. So um, then he asked the manager at the dance if we could set up a table so that was the beginning of it. It was like a little card table, and my dad made all of our displays for us in black velvet so we could have our necklaces and bracelets and everything all displayed. And so then, um, well, how we got that way was the two of us had to go to New Orleans anyway. We, we made a trip <laughs> and bought all kinds of things at the same flea market, mm -hmm. uh, different things, tie-dye things and stuff like that. Um, so, so we started there um, on Friday nights, and um, then he, it got like, people wanted to know, can you pierce? So, well, I hate to say it, but he did pierce with a piercing gun. Um, he got really interested in piercing then, and then at the same time we started doing motorcycle swap meets all over. We bought a red van mm -hmm. and uh, we had it like, it was like packed because we did more, we, we had more stuff to sell. We had a very long table, we had a canopy and um, it was like, we really had a terrific um, business. Mm -hmm. uh, people would like wait for us to come out and it was fun. We went to Am Jam and we, then we started buying body jewelry and selling it. Bill got really into it and he started like piercing his friends and then it just all got to be to, we put out a cat I made up a catalog I used the gauntlet <laughs> um, you know to go buy things um, and um, and then uh, we got really it was like 
overwhelming to us. He, he was a longshoreman on the docks. Mm -hmm. I was assistant to the president of a company in New York. And it ended up that, and then he got married and he bought a house here in Hawthorne. And we started looking around. Our, our dream was not to be on the road anymore, but yeah. to have our own shop. That's what we wanted to do. And so there was a tanning salon here at 7 Garfield Avenue that went out of business. And, um, you know, we both found out about it and you know, we talked to the landlords and we were able to get that um, just, I don't know how long, at least we signed for it anyway. So that worked out really good for, that was for a couple of years. And then we got really too busy to, <laughs> it was too small for us. Was it that like <laughs> hermit crab thing with the shop where it's like you have to grow out of that one and your next shell and then your next one? So um, right next door was the Hawthorne Press and um, Bill said, they were our landlords, and he said to them, we really need more space. Do you think that you could move? Well, as it turned out, they also, they had property up the street, mm -hmm. and they really didn't need the, the printing presses anymore. It was all done differently. So, so that's what happened. So we moved in here, yes, and we had the grand opening. Uh, it was in September 1995, and um, it was, Fantastic. Ever since then, it's just grown and just been wonderful. Yeah, this is a huge amount of space. Yes. Like, huge amount well, of space. Well, we did, we did wholesale business for a while and um, until everybody else in the world got into the act of it. But it was, it, that's what we had a really big staff and yeah. we were busy all the time. We had UPS and FedEx picking up every day. It kind of seems it was like great. just the right time to make that kind of expansion too in the mid nineties, no, right when it was hitting. Yeah, its, nobody its else peak. really was into anything. Yeah, like that. So, so that was really good. Um, the people in town weren't really too happy with us in the beginning. They mm -hmm. didn't know anything about anything. Did they know about the dungeon? <laughs> <laughs> no, but some people had to come in and inspect everything. Yeah. I and mean, that was all right with me. We didn't have anything to hide. You know, we did have a beautiful circular barbell on, on the front and they thought that was something that was really obscene. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that all worked out, except that we still had that space next door on 7 Garfield Avenue, so we opened what we called Pleasurable Alternatives, which was not really accepted with the little fetish shop. Okay. <laughs> that we only had for a couple of years, and then um, we said, well, what are we going to do with it? So our landlady said, why don't you open a tattoo shop? So we thought that was great, and I went over to the town with the papers to, you know, make, uh, do some changing in there, and they said, oh, no, you can't open a tattoo shop. That's, um, there's an ordinance against it. Hmm. Um, so that they make us think about, but not piercing. Well, we, yeah, <laughs> they didn't know that it was okay. the same thing. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> So anyway, we said, oh, so, well, we just decided that we would just have to sue the town because why should there be an ordinance against it? Mm. The other towns have them and we want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's what we did. It took a couple of years, but the First Amendment said that, that you have the right to do things. Mm. So that's what we did. And um, so then came Silk City Tattoo. And We've yeah. all been here ever since, and I have like the greatest staff. Why'd you need it, Silk City? 
Oh, we named it Silk City because the mayor at the time, well, we didn't get along with him. Um, yeah. <laughs> he said that we should be in Patterson. <laughs> so yeah. Bill said, oh, Silk City. So we, so he said, let's name it Silk City Tattoo. Cool. So. Victory. Anyway. So, what was it like in those years where you were where you were wholesaling jewelry? And because I, you know, it was a really big name with body jewelry. Like it was really synonymous, and it was also synonymous with that kind of generation of piercer that was free for like sexual expression and like fetish and not like ashamed of it. Um, what was it like just being in the industry and especially seeing it change so much to kind of where it is today? What was it like being? I don't know, he just took it naturally. I mean, I, I never thought about anything. Yeah. Whatever happened, happened, whoever came in. I mean, uh, even like, well, before we had the shop, we would go to Chelsea um, and Bill would uh, pierce down there in a, in a photo shop that one of his friends owned. We'd, we'd go there and do things like that. Um, it was, I don't know, we just like went with everything, however yeah. anything went. That's what we did. I just accepted everything, and I just respect everybody. That's all. That's a great way to look at it. So, so what what's it like uh, being in a studio with like this much tenure and this much history as like modern body piercers? So, uh, just learning at a place like this is you kind of had everything. You were already with everyone else. You weren't behind everyone with yeah. how we were doing things and uh, it was just real easy to learn and like anyone any other piercers that we have come here they're like wow you guys just have everything handed to you yeah. it's like <laughs> spoiled yeah but in, a, in the right way the, yeah in, in the right way, way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and I've never had to struggle to get the jewelry that I want to have mm. or or work with or um, yeah, and I saw have, a bunch of statums around, yeah, so it, it seems it, like you have the stuff that you would need to really hit the ground running. Right, and with the with the knowledge of the the piercer that I learned from being well, having worked here and learned here, there are a lot of stumbling blocks. I think that a lot of other piercers have had to face that I completely was able to avoid as I was learning to pierce. Mm. Yeah, that's great because I've I've seen people have to like push and struggle because they deal with an owner that's not supportive and they don't. They don't understand that, like, you know, spend money to make money or, you know, give the staff the tools they need to succeed. A lot of people struggle with, with owners who just don't have that kind of mentality. And it, yeah, and, like, when I started here is when everything kind of started changing. Where, like, using externally threaded jewelry wasn't the thing anymore. Mm -hmm. The way we were sterilizing jewelry and everything before we were uh, piercing people with it. Yeah. So, like, I was right at the tail end. I got to see everything changing, but, like, I didn't have to do it that old school way. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd imagine a business that's been operating for 20, 30 years, like, if you don't know how to freshen up and, like, <laughs> yeah. stay with the times, like, you can't survive that long. So that, that's got to be an important part of it, always trying to bring in, bring in new people and, like, listen to the new voices in the industry to, like, make sure that you, you stay up to date. Yeah. Well, Bill's rule, though, about piercers. Uh, to pierce here, you just have to be in that lineage of you have to who, be was, pierced who was by working Bill. here before, you yeah. know? So, like, and you have to work here for a few years before you're considered to be an apprentice. Yeah. You just don't pick up anybody. Yeah, but. so that's why you were on the counter for a really long time before you probably got that opportunity. Yeah, well, 
I wasn't like super as interested in being a piercer until I was here for a really long time, mm-hmm. and I was already like I had like the anatomical catalog memorized. Like, well, it could be like, how much would this cost? And I just I just knew like I know like oh where did this come from? Where did this come from? Like I know like all the companies and stuff, um, and like. Jasper and I, like, being here at the same time together and getting, like, starting here at the same time, we kind of kept the shop, like, updated in, like, I take care of a lot of the decor and we pick out a lot of the jewelry and we're, like, you know, Will's, you know, here and he's great, but he's busy piercing all the time. So we're the ones who are always, like, social media and, like, keeping Keeping everything fresh. Yeah, keeping everything on top of stuff. Yeah. And I've been, like... A, a nerd about piercing since I was like 14 and like this place was like really exciting to me Yard and I Becca. like yeah. yeah I was just like oh well you gotta go here and this is what you have to do and like I was like on BME when I was too young and <laughs> as we were um and like all that kind of stuff so like all that stuff really made a lot of impact on me so being here was always very special to me and then, you know, the next step was just, I, I'm a piercing. I'm piercing. <laughs> it's awesome that it was like a natural evolution, not something you were just dropped into when you weren't interested. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you, you see like the results of what happens when someone doesn't have the passion for it. They just, yeah. they just never get, something doesn't click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And here having like a staff like this, I'm just kind of like a piercer robot <laughs> and I'm doing like 20 to 40 piercings a day, but like, I don't. I don't know what anything in here costs mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. they do everything, you right. know? So like right. we're, that's another way we're spoiled is just, yeah. they set them up and I put them in. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That must yeah. be a nice flow. It I, is. I, I'm not, I'm not there with my shop. I'm not big yeah. enough and having enough volume for that. I, I would imagine it would be pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Especially because like, like we can leave the counter as like, like we have people who also work for us who aren't piercers who sets things up, but like we, kind of guide them and like well this is going to work best so that the piercer who's actually piercing that day can kind of knock it out mm-hmm. so we set him up and he like just has to do them you yeah. know but we are already like well this is going to work out here and this is not you know right so, well it's good to know each other and, and know yeah. like okay they like this kind of jewelry yeah. they like this kind of time you know they want to mm-hmm. have this conversation before they you know, yeah. make it choices or whatever for aftercare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those different things. I'm sure it's really important to make sure that everybody clicks together. Yeah, we're yeah. all pretty much on the same page. With yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, you know, this being pleasurable piercings, do you have uh, do you have any like do you have a good pleasurable piercing story from you know mm-hmm. 20, 30 years in business that you're comfortable <laughs> sharing? So many stories. <laughs> <laughs> we're always, I'm always telling them. Um, I did want to say that. When we first opened, we had a visit from the state of New Jersey, mm-hmm. um, and um, Bill ended up working um, with them and going to Trenton all the time and making the rules and res- regulations for the tattoo and piercing industry. And great. Uh, yeah, I can be very in that instead of being on proud the of him. I was I was really proud of him sure. for doing that. Yeah. But you know what? We had to do it because everybody was doing whatever they wanted to mm-hmm. do. People were coming in here with, you know, things that uh, weren't right. Were they, you know, 
infections or things like that yeah. that they wanted us to fix up that they got somewhere else. So I still deal with that but, in New Hampshire because we don't have. I, I guess we still laws. do, but not mm-hmm. like yeah. we used to. Yeah, you know, Some not like Wild West anymore. So <laughs> one time this lady came in here. And she was like, who made these stupid rules about IDs and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, um, well, we actually did. So. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Like, it's the law, but it's our rule, but it's the law, right. too. So you right. can't, we can't get around that. Sorry. The pleasurable piercing yeah. law. Yeah, it's law that you need this ID yeah. for your child. I know it looks like you, but. So now everybody in the area can blame you. Yeah, they can blame us. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> The funny stories here are always about Bill doing whatever he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, we go through a lot uh, when we're buying jewelry. We have to ask our accounting department if it's okay and uh, this. And uh, Will was wanting to buy diamonds, remember? <laughs> and we had some old files, and I found this old file. It was a note that Bill had written. And it said, I took $5,000 to buy diamonds. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so I put that up. I said, this is how Bill did it. Yeah. <laughs> and if he wanted to buy jewelry, well, we didn't have a computer always. You know, we, we, hand, writ, uh, our, we hand wrote our slips that mm-hmm. said what jewelry people bought. And he would go through them at night and see what was selling. He was always out at the counter seeing what was selling. And uh, so he, he would just pick up the phone and order. He would never ask, is this okay? Can I do this? He would just pick up the phone and order jewelry, whatever he wanted. Um, he also uh, went to GIA. I don't know if um, you knew that. He no. he designed a lot of the jewelry that we sold, the gemstones. He went out and wow. bought gemstones. Um, yeah, cool. that was a big thing. Yeah. yeah. We still have binders full of gemstones, so sometimes yeah. we send them to like Body Vision to get set still. Awesome. We have a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. he likes he liked mm-hmm. to buy a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, especially with some history behind it too. That's really yeah. cool. Super special yeah. pieces. Yeah. We, got, we got to do some cool things with like celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, we had Alice in Chains come here yeah. and yeah. do a signing and stuff like that. Cool. We actually had uh, uh, been using some of their music for like our commercials and stuff like that. Um, we used to have a lot of commercials on TV, billboards. Uh, we had our Bill jewelry. Did piercings and, uh, on t- Bill did piercings on the radio yeah. on WNEW. Mm-hmm. Our jewelry was in Strangeland yeah. from D. Snyder's movie. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, so like the jewelry you see in that movie was like our jewelry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool things like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we were out there. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else you want to share about the shop? I thought about my favorite working at pleasurable story i was maybe less than a year into working here and i was working the counter um and every every labor day weekend we closed sunday monday well i was just letting hbo run and real sex is on and i just look up at the screen and there wild bill is just showing (laughs) off his two gauge at that point pa Mm -hmm. and then i come into work and i was like wow i'm really excited to have seen this thing and like have seen um, the history of the shop actually in, in like the greater world and then I go to Will and I'm like should I talk to Judy about that does she know about that yeah. and then Will goes oh Judy knows everything yeah. and I was like Judy I saw Bill on real sex um, so so there's been a, a lot of overlap because in all of my adult life I've been involved in the the kink community and work with an organization that um, ensures consent um, rules are followed Mm -hmm. in in kink spaces in um, this area and 
it, it's so interesting to see the overlap of the older generation of the kink community that I work with. And then, yeah, I've been pierced at Pleasurable. I'll come get pierced by you at Pleasurable again. It's just, it's been really cool to see all these facets of my life that I'm really passionate about actually coming together and interweaving. Yeah. That must be a, like a really special work environment. Yeah. And like... Yeah, I took a class at APP at, like, this year for professionalism, and one person was just going off about how the younger generation just does, like, they they just don't respect genital piercings, like, they just don't, and it's like, not here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some good Bill stories about Bill on a plane on the way to APP. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the stories about that, that, that was a good one. <laughs> All right, give me one good Wild Bill story. And then we'll story? <laughs> that was it. The what plane story. story? The what one? The, the plane, plane story. Yeah, that, was that, that was it. Yeah. He misbehaved on a, on a plane. And Can you give they, me some details? They had to like stop the plane <laughs> and let him off. Really? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> he, he thought that everyone should be interested in his piercings. They his, should? His <laughs> yeah. uh, general piercings. He right. loved to show them off. Yeah. yeah. And especially Even when the dentist. He had his food drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, my sister took him to another uh, to a dentist that he didn't usually go to, and um, he decided that they should know about it too. And the dentist said to him, "You can't do that here. <laughs> if you were in a urologist's office, that would be okay, but you can't do that here." <laughs> when he was always showing off. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine you don't get a name like Wild Bill for no reason. No. Yeah. Wild Bill. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, and he's here. Believe me, he's right in this yeah. room. Yeah. He's always here. The automatic water uh, in the in the uh, artist's sink that went on the other night when one of the artists was mm -hmm. here by himself. It really actually scared him. Yeah. <laughs> but that was Bill. Bill does he does There's a lot of Bill. things here. Yeah, cool. Well, he's still here. Cool space he's, to work we in. make him happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's important to like continue on a legacy you know to realize like what what put your shop on the map and what made it like memorable and, and I think he's extremely going. happy now yeah. yeah this is what he always wanted yeah he wanted like a packed showroom yeah. and mm -hmm. the jewelry that we have you know he would just love it that's all he I can imagine that's like everybody. the best case I can imagine for my studio when I'm gone <laughs> and that people are carrying on the tradition yeah. yeah yeah I had to I mean I just did yes yeah. <laughs> what, what we did there was one point where we weren't doing too well. We didn't have the staff that we have now, and uh, we were really going downhill. And my accountant said, Judy, I, I really think that you should sell the shop. And I said, um, I can't. Mm -hmm. My heart is in it. Right. I can't. Right. So I put some of my own money in, which I had been doing to pay the rent anyway. I, <laughs> I didn't care. And then um, eventually we did weed out um, the problems, and um, that's why we are all here today. And yeah. that's great. Yeah, to see it continue to grow and thrive. We got the best. Yeah. Yeah. We got the best, yeah. and everyone's happy. Awesome. And that's that's all I want is yeah. for everybody to be happy all the time. Keep I mean, I know people have problems and mm -hmm. things like that, but I want them to be happy at work. Yeah. I do everything that I can to make everybody happy. That's the best way to run a business because I mean, so, <laughs> if everybody's miserable, it's just going to bring everybody down. Yeah, yeah. definitely. When there are problems, they tell me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, we have, I think, really good relationships. So. That's great. 
so one more time, we'll just go around. Um, everybody, give me your name, and uh, and we'll kind of wrap it up. And if there's any social media or anything you want people to know, um, Amanda. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. What's our social media? What's our social media? What's, social yeah. media? What's my social yeah. media? And my, the shop social media. My what? The shop social media is uh, at pleasurable piercings on Instagram. Okay. We changed it. That's why I couldn't remember. <laughs> we're about Facebook, aren't we? Yeah, we're on Facebook. Yeah. Backslash pleasurable piercings. Back, yeah. Back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is pleasurable piercings. I'm Jasper. You can find me at Jasper Pierces on Instagram. Will and you can find me at Pleasurable Piercings on Instagram. I'm Judy. Where am I? On Facebook? Under what? My you're, name? You're at the shop. <laughs> you're at the shop. You can find her at the shop yeah. anytime. And and who is this? Oh, this is Shadow. Hello, Shadow. Friend. I rescued Shadow. Very friend. About four years ago. He's very happy here because everybody makes a big fuss over him all the time. Well, I'm very happy he's here. I think everybody saw me have my, my moment of like, yeah. there's a dog here. Oh, great. And awesome. then when you got to see him. Yeah, <laughs> bonus. All right, well, thanks everybody for talking to me and uh, thanks for bringing me down for the day. This Thank you. Really fun. We've been looking forward to Thank it. For coming. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Yeah. Got to make sure it's actually All right. Uh, do you want to keep talking about what we were talking about? Diversity or do you want to talk about something else? No, I feel like we just I feel like we just did like an, an hour and a half awesome podcast. We should have just been recording the whole breakfast. We, we should and have. Like just dealt with Always it. hit record. Always, Always hit record. We kind of probably got at least two, maybe three good ones out of that. We did. I mean, I think when you and I get together, we just, we both, we love to nerd out over piercing stuff so much that we can just, I, I remember the first time you stayed at my place, we talked for like three or four, four hours or five in the morning yeah. something like that and just like talked about piercing but then when we're like you know let's hit record and think of a thing then we both just clam up <laughs> where we can't think about something to talk about well we talked a little bit about the ongoing project i've had but i definitely want to table that to its own sure thing later sure it's one of those oh fuck do i have a call coming in whatever uh, a voicemail um yeah it's it's tough when you're in a planning stage because you always get to this this moment in your mind where you're like, these are all, this is my list of, of dream things that are gonna go into this project. I remember when I was when I was expanding the shop, it was like digital release forms and this and that, like kind of what we were talking about. And I just never actually did it because I had to hit the ground running. I had to focus on like paying my multiple mortgages and loans and all that stuff. And I just didn't have time to work out the logistics of a digital release form system or the, this and that or whatever. And now, four or five years later after the fact I'm still in the back of my mind I'm like oh yeah one day I would love to have digital release forms and it's just it's not happening so I get like talking out the plan but not so much hitting record before you talk about the plan because yeah. then if it doesn't happen because I remember telling all these people we're gonna have this we're gonna have that and then they come in two years later and they're like oh yeah where are these things that you said you were gonna have and it's like we'll get them eventually maybe uh, maybe we should keep talking about diversity we were, we were going pretty good on that well we're getting on a good track so to kind of like get back onto the topic, you know, we've talked about the APP is a very like YPPO kind of a, a presence. Uh, it, it, as far as online, uh, people like like Paul King have actually spearheaded things where we, we try to have more diversity represented on the website in, in picture form and all that stuff. But it was it was a white person setting up a photo shoot for people of color kind of a thing. So it's one of those things where it's like, yes, we want to have diversity, but there isn't a very diverse voice pushing that diversity forward. It, we're, we're trying to pull people in so it's it feels more awkward and it feels less representative. So 
how can how can you make an industry that is diverse when you when you break it down to like all the people performing piercings in the country that's a diverse cross-section of people but then when you talk about the people who show up to conference engage with the app become members uh, work to those those app minimum standards it's really like a lot of that diversity goes away and where is that where's that disconnect it's hard to say you know um i think that as a whole piercing was kind of very it was a white person thing and I, i'm going to say that with totally. a little bit of hesitation in my voice um because it you know what we do stems from not white people shit right um, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough. I've been going to conference long enough that, you know, I, my whole life, I've just kind of been the brown dot in the crowd, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's even different coming from it from my, the my perspective. Yeah. Always. I have been, you know, <laughs> like, like within my own community, I've been like, you know, oh, you're into that weird white people shit. Mm -hmm. And with my white peers, I've always just been the brown dot. Right. Um, you know, so I feel that to a certain point, a certain time, like there just wasn't a lot of people of color doing this. Yeah. You know, and, and the few that were definitely weren't reaching out and trying to, to make connections and, you know, make those meet people, you know, like, um, I, I really clearly remember going to conference when it was like Luis Garcia and myself, mm -hmm. you know, like, and not really anybody else for, for a few years. Um, you know, and currently there's, there's, uh, I started a Piercers of Color um, Facebook page. Uh, I believe Trevor started a Piercers of Color uh, Instagram message thread. Um, Cookie, whose last name I can't remember right now, has started a uh, Piercer of Color uh, scholarship. Um, Cookie, I believe Rob Gold, and I think one other person has started a Piercer of Color Instagram page. Um, so we're doing what we can to, to kind of try to reach out and, and see who else is out there doing it that maybe can relate more to from our end of things. Um, but even with that, you know, like between all the, 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 the references I just mentioned, I think there's less than 100 piercers, which in the grand scheme isn't a lot. Right. I mean, if you, if you look at that, like the LBP crowd, uh, which is not a, a U.S. based organization, then that that community grows in a lot of and so like more of that community has been coming to conference every year. But aside from that five day piercer fantasy land, uh, the the other 360 days of the year, yeah, it is a, a very white represented industry. Uh, I have no idea how to make it feel like everyone's industry, you know. And is it just that? You know, leadership all tends to look relatively the same as far as uh, ethnic diversity, or is it that, you know, the instructors or the stuff that we put out or the material, or is it, is it an economic issue? Is it just the shop culture issue? You know, it, it's it's tough to to look at it from kind of the outside. It it and in one way, it's it's white people looking from the inside out trying to say like you know this can be for everybody but at the same time you're looking from the outside in because you're not part of the communities that you want to draw in so you don't know how to sometimes communicate with different communities yeah i mean i think that there was a really good there were good steps taken last year at conference with a person of color roundtable mm -hmm. and with an inclusivity class um that definitely inspired a lot of my brown folks my, my brown brothers and sisters um 
and so now there are more things happening. So we're definitely, and I'm going to say, I'm going to include myself in the we. All I did was start a Facebook page, but I'm going to give a lot of props to Kuki right now. And, and she's working on a scholarship. I believe um, from what we talked as well, there is a Piercer Babe of Color scholarship being coming up as well. So um, I think we can expect to see a lot more diversity in conference this year. And I really hope that that kind of is... Uh, maybe a rocking point to, to start having more people feel comfortable to come out, uh, maybe start feeling more comfortable to reach out, maybe start making more ties, maybe start uh, having more uh, more diverse uh, piercers come out and guest spot and uh, shadow at your shops. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, we were talking over coffee too, where I really want to just try to offer, if people feel intimidated in some way by like the organization of the APP or coming to conference or something like that, I want to make it more commonplace for shops to offer shadowing opportunities, mentoring opportunities, guest spot opportunities, and, and just communication uh, with, with people that are in different shops, different areas, different communities, uh, different regions, all that stuff. And I, don't, I just don't know how to how to make those first steps, you know, unless somebody contacts me and says, hey, are you interested? And I can say yes. I don't know how to reach out without seeming like the, the doofus white guy that's like, I'll fix everything with my whiteness, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, it's all, we all have to work together and, you know, soon hopefully I will have a shop where I can open the same opportunities for people and... You know, as a as a brown man and as a brown business owner, I hope to bring more brown people into this business. You know, like it's it's lacking. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and now I'm gonna have control over that, so I'm gonna exercise that right and and uh, make it work out for for my folks. Uh, another thing we were talking about is how we're kind of in this this spot in the industry where. Uh, if a shop needs help, even if it's temporary, even just covering for a couple of days or maybe a couple of months or if they're maybe scouting, they get to scout from this talent pool that the industry has never really seen before. You have all these different piercers with a, a handful of years experience. They've already done some sort of level of mentoring somewhere. Maybe they had an actual formal apprenticeship. Maybe they just kind of like stumbled their way through a couple of years at a shop and now they're kind of trying to break out and get more experience. But they've already got that that base foundation to work with. Shops can just pick from a huge list of all these different piercers that are constantly bouncing around. And if they find someone they like, they can grab them, they can kind of polish them up and bring them to that next level. But it's kind of at the expense of not having entry level positions. If people want someone new in the shop, they're not going to be as likely to say, hey, you've been an awesome client or hey, I met you at this other store and you had really good customer service. Do you want to try to look at an entry level position in our shop and maybe potentially work your way into an apprenticeship? They grab somebody. Uh, who can already just fulfill that spot right there. And they, they cut that first couple of years of mentorship out of their process. As a business owner, I can totally see the sense in that. But as an industry, I think we're going to get to a point coming up pretty quickly where there is just no one left on that that traveling piercer market because they're all going to get snatched up by people. So um, what are some of the things that you think shops can do to create those new opportunities and create those people that are in the entry-level positions? I think uh, everyone needs to get out of the whole no apprentice stage. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like that's still kind of a thing? I thought that was a thing a couple of years ago, but then, you know, people started to bend on it because they, you know, their businesses were growing and they needed more help. But maybe that is still a thing. I think it is a little bit, um, but I think we're also just in a really weird time in our industry, you know, like there's young people that are afraid to move. Um, there's older people that kind of already have really good deals going with their their bosses or they have become shop owners themselves and then 
you have a bunch of people that are just traveling around and kind of not wanting to settle down anywhere. Uh, I think eventually those people are going to settle down. You know, you can only live out of your backpack for so long. Um, but then what? You know, like, I think that now is the time for everyone to have an apprentice in their shop. You mm-hmm. know, um, I, I think that it's going to get to a point where we're going to have such a shortage that we're all going to be scrambling to try to figure out what to do and potentially not be able to do anything. I think the a problem in it, in it like if you're if you're listening to this right now and you're a shop owner or a shop manager or the senior piercer in the shop or, or whatever your authority position is uh, I, something that you can really draw a similarity to is the jewelry wait time crisis that we've all had to endure and now we're kind of coming down off that peak now you know like Luis just posted yesterday that Anatomy Metal was down to four weeks on an order awesome. from 20 weeks which is like manna from heaven but uh, it's going to be kind of the same spot with piercing apprentices. If you think like, okay, even if I push someone, they're not going to be ready to pierce clientele for at least, let's say two years, just, just to be on the, the safe side. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, look at that as that like 20 week wait time, you know, um, if it gets to the point where all the guest artists and all the people that are bouncing around out there, uh, like the, the free agent market, once they're all snatched up, look at that, you know, uh, piercer wait time kind of thing. It's going to go up from four weeks to 20 weeks really dramatically. So you want to have those people in your back pocket, basically those really skilled counter people that are looking to step up. Uh, the people that know how to do jewelry changes and, and maybe understand piercing, but they're not really there yet. You want to have people primed to kind of step into those roles. Uh, and if you're kind of at a point where you're like, yeah, we don't, we don't want apprentices and you're not even kind of putting it out there as, as to the possibility of it. You know, you might be missing out on a lot of talent rather than developing that talent. And I would love to see shops do more of like an apprentice trade kind of program sort of thing, you know, almost like an apprenticeship primer where, Hey, we've got somebody in our shop. Uh, they're kind of plateaued right now cause we don't really have a spot for them to step into, but we want to strengthen them a little bit. We would love to maybe say, Hey, do you have someone similar in your shop? Let's trade them for like two weeks. Get some ideas from this shop into this shop and just have this like stronger generation kind of ready to go and primed. And if they don't work out in your shop, if you don't have a spot for them, if you don't have a money position for them, maybe they can move on to somewhere else. But still, we need to generate those people that we all got opportunities. I got opportunities. I'm sure you got opportunities early on in your career. And we're not really giving the same kind of level of opportunities. We're taking people uh, who have already had maybe some opportunity have the capability or the financial means or the flexibility in their personal lives to bounce around and work in the best of the best shops or something like that. But we're not really saying, hey, you know, kid piercing yourself in your 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 bedroom or like, you know, looking up stuff online and being fascinated by it or finding an old copy of Modern Primitives on eBay or in a used bookstore and catching the bug. Like we're not giving those people the, the opportunities that they deserve. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, but we need more people. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to? No, you got to drive ahead of you, man. Yeah, yeah. You got to beat New York. It's It's getting late. All right. Well, uh, we'll figure out it's time to do some more stuff later. Yeah, for sure. You want to give any uh, social media or whatever info or keep your eyes open kind of info? Uh, Safe Harbor Body Adornment coming soon. Um, gosh, I guess I'm going to feel comfortable enough to, to openly release the location area, at least the city, um, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, Coming soon, hopefully before the end of the year. I'm in the middle of a lease negotiation right now. So uh, 
fingers crossed, and I'll have uh, I'll have that space open uh, before the end of the year. And what's the Instagram page you got for it? Safe Harbor Body Adornment, uh, both on Instagram and on Facebook. The Facebook is still nothing. I just secured the name, so I would have it. Uh, but the Instagram, I'm definitely uh, starting to plug pictures on and, and trying to get attention to it. So please like my Instagram. Please share my Instagram, Safe Harbor Body Adornment. Uh, thank you. And uh, give somebody opportunities in your shop. Uh, all right. Uh, I am very tired. It is, um, what time is it? 9.48 p.m. on Sunday. So I uh, had the full day of classes in Chicago, and I am I'm just so wiped out. I'm so wiped out. Uh, I remember, okay, the reason I'm doing the triple threat concept, and it's called triple threat because that's the name of a wrestling match. Uh, you know, you know I, I like the wrestling. Uh, so all last year, and up until the beginning of this year, I did the understanding and applying freehand piercing techniques one full day workshop and it was just one subject for the whole day uh, and then I wanted to start coming back to certain cities because I had a good turnout and there were a lot of like piercers that were interested and said hey you should come back and we want more classes and, and stuff like that so I didn't want to do the same class uh, I wanted to give the people that came to the first class a reason to come back to the second class so I thought uh, alright what else can I do to fill a day? I can't really think of another subject other than like explaining the fundamentals of bevel theory where I can do one subject for like a full six hours. So I thought, well, you know, I've got a ton of other individual classes that I develop for APP conference and UK APP and BMXNet and, and whatever, you know? So I did some polls and I was like, hey, what are... What are the ones that people are most interested in? You know, septums was definitely number one. Not not a shock there. I knew that probably would be. Nipples were pretty popular. Uh, doth piercings, dath piercings, pretty popular. Uh, but I also wanted people to get some more safety information. So I was like, all right, anatomy. I have a, a anatomy class that I'm, I'm really happy with. So I'll do that also. Um, but I, I never really thought of just how exhausting it is to teach multiple separate classes in one day versus just one long class. And like, especially with this, this loop that I've been doing this whole, uh, you know, four classes in eight days thing. I, I know now that I, I can't book, uh, so many dates and obligations like this again, because I'm just mentally exhausted. I'm physically exhausted and I'm still not done. I still have one more day of classes tomorrow to do in, in Dubuque, Iowa at the Crow's Nest. So, um, it was good. You know, I, I feel like the individual classes went well. I, I think having the opportunity to do the same classes multiple times, I get to really refine it. You know, if I'm doing a class for the first time, which is usually what I get at the APP conference, usually when I do something for Vegas, uh, I write the class for that conference and that's the first time that I'm doing it out loud. So, you know, maybe it'll be a decent class, but it's not going to be a very tight class. It's not going to be a super rehearsed class, but anatomy, I've done that. I did that at UK APP. I did that at BMXNet. I've done it privately multiple times. Septums, I've been doing 
for the last three years I've been doing this class, the Where Skill Meets Luck class. I've had lots of chances to refine it and work it out. The Doth class, I've done that a handful of times, but, you know, I've, I've done it more than once for sure, you know, maybe four or five times at this point. So I've got it down. I know what material works. I know I have a reasonable expectation of what classes, I, what questions I'm going to be getting. But still, it's difficult to... Number one, to prepare. You know, for today, I had to find a venue, uh, get to the venue early, um, set up, and get everything checked in. And, like, you know, with stuff like this, it's not the APP conference where there's an army of people helping to do things. It's just me, just me showing up. And then I I show up and people want to talk, and that's awesome because, like, I see a lot of my friends and I want to talk, but it's like, I'm sorry, I'm in work mode. I got to start setting up because there's, you know, 40 people who, who paid to come to this class and took a day off of work and whatever. So I, I got to make sure I deliver. I can't half-ass any of this stuff. Set up your projector, set up all the seating, make sure the room is laid out good. I order lunch. I stop at a store and I have to get drinks and snacks for people and do all this stuff, you know, and I'm not knocking it because it's, it's great. I'm just saying it's, you know, it's a good amount of work. Um, so I got all set up. And then we kind of started on the class. Oh, and I got, you know, I got to check people in and do the registration and all that stuff. And it's tough because a lot of times I don't want to insult people, but like, you know, I recognize your face. I know that I've met you. I know maybe your first name, but I don't, I don't, I honestly don't remember your last name sometimes because it's like, you know, you meet somebody and it's like, hi, how you doing? You know, or you, you see him on Facebook and you're not thinking about it in terms of like first name, last name, where do you work? What's your shop? What's that? You know, I try to remember as much as I can, but when it comes to like hundreds of people that I meet, it's difficult. It makes me feel like a dickhead, uh, because I should know everybody's first and last name and where they're from and their shops and all that stuff. But it's so difficult. And especially when there's maybe multiple people in the same class that have probably the first, same first name, got to make sure that I'm not checking in the wrong person. So it's like, you know, get everybody checked in, I've been having people do name tags, so that that really helps a lot. And it also helps when, like, people haven't met any other piercers. They can meet somebody, and we go around the room, and people introduce themselves. And then they can be like, oh, wow, your your shop's only 20 minutes away from mine. Maybe we can hang out or shadow each other or whatever, you know? So that's all cool. But it's a lot of uh, brain power for me because I I have to take care of the logistics of it. I'm not there to have fun. I'm, I'm there to work. It is fun, but it's it's work. So did the anatomy class. I really like the content, um, but I really have to think. I have to be really careful with my words. It's like, it's serious stuff. It's safety. It's a safety class. I can't screw something up, use the wrong terminology, or, you know, uh, half-ass my way through it and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. Like, I have to research this stuff, and I have to talk about, you know, things that I know what I'm talking about. I can't just, like, overreach when it comes to safety information. Do that two hours, you know, then the lunch shows up, we take lunch break, and it's great, it's, you know, it worked out good, people like the food, people are hanging out, people are talking, people are making friends, which is one of the best things about these classes, it gives people the opportunity to socialize with piercers that might be in their area that they might have never talked to before, so that's awesome, but then it's like, you know, wrangle everybody back into the room, get them focused, and it's like, while they're all having lunch break, and they're having time, you know, to socialize and have fun, I got to think like, all right, I got to set up for the next class. I got to get prepped for it. I got to kind of switch from one gear to another. And it's like, all right, 
I spent two hours focusing on anatomy and all this stuff and now I got to pivot and I got to do this other class and I don't really have much of a break. I, I got to like power down half a sandwich, but I'm, again, I'm there to work. I got to make sure that every everybody's there, everybody's good to go, nobody needs anything. I'm answering questions. People are coming up and, hey, what about this piercing thing? What about that? And I'm like, oh, I got a video for that. Let me pull it up. You know, so it's it's all these things where you're just wiping yourself out. You're like really exhausting yourself fast, burning the candle at both ends kind of a thing. Get into the septum class, uh, you know, get into that, really power through it. You know, I think some people are hoping that there's maybe like a, a secret that they just haven't learned yet and that would make it all fall in line and, and all click and all that stuff. But with septums, it's not that. It's, you know, you you can't just look for that one formula that you can apply to all your septum piercings and then they're going to be great. You have to think, well, I, I need versatility. I want to learn four ways to do septum piercings. And then you pull the right card out of the deck when you need it. Come on, take the exit 17, I-39 South exit toward US-20, Bloomington. Ugh, I'm driving while I record this. I'm killing time because I got uh, 45 minutes to go until I get back to my, well, not back to, get to my next hotel. Uh, halfway between Chicago and Dubuque, Iowa is a hotel. Uh, so I don't, I don't even know what it's called. Whatever, I'm going to a hotel. I'm going to sleep at some point. Anyway, septums. So, you know, you give people the information and you try to say, figure out the technique that makes the most sense for you, that works for you, that gives you good results. But, you know, don't just expect me to say, this is how you do it and they'll all come out perfect because it, that's not reality. It, it's not reality for me. Uh, you know, I have these different cards in my deck and I can still fudge them every now and then, you know, but I, I try my best to use the right technique for the right situation and, and hope for the best. So, um, septums, you know, uh, showing a lot of videos and talking about, well, this isn't my strength, but here's, you know, somebody else where they, they have a good result with it. Uh, and then again, it's, let's take a quick break and then let's get into the next class. And while everybody else is taking a break, maybe I'll have time to pound some water or maybe I'll have time to go pee or something like that but I don't really have a lot of time to, to recharge between classes or anything to really just kind of get in into half the... a mile take the exit 17 I-39 south exit toward US-20 Bloomington yeah uh, it's really just kind of like get into it so the next one was doth piercings daith piercings and if you're unsure about exactly how it's pronounced uh, they're both fine uh, you know what I talk about that in the class I'm not going to tear somebody apart. You know, if it looks like it says Daith, if a customer comes in and says, I want my Daith pierced, I'm just going to say, yep. Take the I'm exit 17 exit. All right. Uh, I'm going to pierce your Daith. You know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, make them feel dumb. Well, actually, it's pronounced duh. Continue for three miles. Uh, so that went good. Talked about the different techniques. And then uh, I was looking at the time and I was like, man, we're running, we're running tight on time. I wanted to do some bonus stuff, but it's, it's tight. Uh, we had a little bit of time. So I was like, let's jump right into nipple presentation class. Everybody cool with that. We got into it. Um, skipped over some of the, the base information about jewelry and stuff, because if I didn't have a lot of time, what I wanted, what I wanted to really hit on for nipple piercings would be like inverted nipples. I think a lot of piercers struggle with those and, uh, surgically altered nipples, HRT, altered nipples, hormone replacement therapy, it's a big deal and people need to know how to uh, how to properly service uh, all different kinds of clients, especially ones that um, have altered anatomy. So we get into that, 
get into some good information. Uh, and then I'm like, all right, we're, we're pretty much at the end of the day. We're, I've, only, I've only got the space booked until six o'clock. And that includes the time where I have to break down and I have to pack up everything and we have to make sure that everything's cleaned up and give out certificates and do all this and that. Uh, so kind of like rush through, but then realize my computer, the clock was set on New Hampshire time and I'm on Chicago time, which is an hour difference. So I thought that we were out of time, but we still had an hour left. So we take a little break and then we get into videos and, uh, I have a lot of stuff from all my other classes on there and just letting people kind of pick what they're interested in, getting into videos and checking stuff out. Went really well in that hour, like flew by real quick, just watching videos and explaining the different things that go into all the different techniques and da da da, you know, and a lot of people were asking about freehand stuff, bevel theory, constantly coming up, bevel theory, bevel theory, where I was like, damn, you know, I, I wish all these people had the opportunity to come to my last class when I was in the Chicago area, because that's what it was on. It makes me think that like, I definitely have to come back to Chicago probably next year and do the bevel theory class again. And I'm also trying to work out a concept for like a new advanced bevel theory class and have it be like maybe a two day thing where day one is the basics and the foundation. And then day two is the advanced information and see what I can figure out. Uh, so pack up everything. We go out for dinner and all that stuff, you know, and it's good to socialize a little bit, but I'm just sitting there falling asleep over my Chicago style deep dish pizza. Uh, booking a hotel, lost my voice because I'm like shout talking all day to like a, a room full of 40 people and got to make sure that the people in at the back. mile, continue on to Highway 20 West. Yeah. Uh, make sure that everybody at the back of the room can hear just like the people at the front of the room, you know, and uh, all that stuff. And I'm just so wiped out, you know, uh, got some sleep last night, but it was really like can't sleep in. Any day where I have to wake up to an alarm clock is going to be a rough day. So did that, you know, I woke up at eight o'clock today and right now it's 10 PM. My day's not over yet. I'm still Continue on highway 20 West for 30 miles. I'm still driving to this friggin' hotel. Uh, I'll get to my hotel around like, let's say 11 o'clock at night, uh, check in, you know, I'll be up for maybe an hour checking emails or doing whatever, and then go to bed and tomorrow wake up to an alarm, have that mediocre hotel breakfast, uh, but then head to crow's nest and that's the highlight of the day, you know, like being able to connect with other piercers, share any information I might have, answer questions, you know, continuing education, fellowship and socializing and hanging out and all that stuff. Like that's, that's the highlight. It's not, it's not really work. There's work that goes into it. There's a lot of prep that goes into it. You know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, I have an opportunity that most piercers don't have. I, I've been fortunate enough where I've gotten access to all this information and I've kind of like hoarded it like a pack rat over my whole career. And now I feel like I'm at a point in my life and my career where it's my obligation to share as much information as I can to other piercers out there because they might not have had those same opportunities that I had. So, um, it's great and I love it. It's just really tiring. And it's like, it would probably be a lot easier if it was just the one day, uh, and not, four days over the course of a week because I it just it's just dumb and I'm really just wiping myself out trying to bring my a game but like my body is just like I, I want a nap Ryan uh, so in the future I'm probably not gonna add on any any secondary days last last week was adding on the class at pleasurable 
Uh, and like, that was awesome. Just being able to see that shop and hang out with those piercers and experience it. That was great. That, that experience was awesome. I want to be able to offer those kinds of experiences and have those experiences for myself too. Like see all these like shops with all this great history and like learn all these different things and meet all these new piercers. That's, that's really good for me too, but maybe not as an add on to another full day of classes. You know, I was heading out to Baltimore to teach that class at Freya and I added on the class of pleasurable when I really should have just done them on their own separate trips. You know, this one I'm adding on the, the class in Iowa when Chicago was the main focus, you know, so it's, not necessarily doing a disservice. I still think I'm bringing my A game for the classes, but I'm, I'm crushing my body to do it. So going to dial that back a little bit. Uh, one class per trip is I think what I'm going to aim for. None of this, like get in a car and drive three hours and go to a thing and then drive another three hours and then drive another six hours and then teach a thing and do this and do that, whatever. That's just too much for me. And, uh, I don't know what I was thinking. I remember having a conversation with Paul King when we were in Russia, we were sharing a dinner and I was saying, oh, I did this many classes in, in uh, 2018, and I'm, I've got this many classes scheduled for 2019, and in 2020, I want to double it. And now I'm thinking, like, that is so dumb. Paul King looked at me, and he's just like, that's, that's a lot of classes. And I was like, no, nah, it's fine, I'm good. But now it's like, yeah, that's a lot of classes, and it's too much for me. If that was just my full-time job, or that was all I had to focus on, I could make that work. But no, I'm still, I'm still a piercer. I'm still running a shop. I'm still a business owner. I'm still a, a, you know, a volunteer with a lot of different conferences in a lot of different places. And, uh, I need to find that sweet spot of how many classes is good for me is healthy for me, but you know, find big classes in certain cities, get in as many piercers as I can share as much information as I can. Um, cause it's, you know, I, I think it's an important thing to do and I don't think enough experienced piercers offer it and really share their information, maybe a little bit in forums or maybe a little bit of shadowing or some one-on-one stuff, or maybe they post videos every now and then, but you know, I don't want to have it to the point where institutional knowledge is lost because people aren't sharing what they've learned over 20 year, 30 year careers, you know, like share that information. So anyway, I'm driving, I got another 25 miles to go and then I'm turning onto highway 20 West heading towards Iowa. So, uh, I'm going to stop recording sleep for the night. I'll try to record some more stuff tomorrow. I, I did not have time to record anything with TJ or John. We were having too much fun living our lives again, which I think is a recurring thing. I I plan out and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to record all this stuff. Yeah. But then I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to go out and do things with my time here and with my friends in the the 12 hours that I'm going to be around them, you know, like getting some fun. So that's what we did. So I can't really apologize for that. Uh, John and TJ and are awesome. All the piercers that I met today are awesome. I don't come to these things and then leave thinking like, man, this piercer was a prick and this piercer, blah, blah, blah. I was just thinking like, these are awesome piercers and I would like to see these people more often, you know, not just conference and then maybe one extra time a year or something like that. Uh, I don't really have a lot of piercers in my area, you know, there are a lot of APP members in New England, but you know, they're, they're all spaced out a couple hours here, a couple hours there. Uh, so looking forward to tomorrow, you know, get to see all the, all those piercers in that area. So should be fun. But anyway, I'm going to stop recording. Maybe I can try to get in a short form interview tomorrow, maybe get something with Woodstock at the shop or something like that before we get going for the day, or maybe record something dinner. Cause it's going to be a smaller group. So we don't have to worry about like shouting, 
but, uh, you know, thanks for listening. And I really do appreciate it. Everybody that took the time to come out to these classes, the classes last week, the classes this week, like I love this stuff. Uh, I'm not doing this stuff because I think I'm going to make a million dollars off of it. I'm, I'm doing this stuff because I really enjoy it. Uh, you do get addicted to it. You know, there is a high to it. There's obviously like an ego stroke component to it too. I don't want to lie about that, but like, it makes me feel good that I have acquired information and worked on skills and, you know, really, again, I worked on this stuff and I, that's the point that I tried to drive home in the class today is, you know, if one person can do it, you can do it. You you just have to practice. You have to put in the work. Uh, you have to, you know, work on your foundation and your fundamentals and then build your skills, you know, like body piercing is a skill. You're not born an amazing piercer. You work at it and, and you, you develop your skill. So anybody can do it. You just have to put in the work. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to stop recording. Thanks for listening so far. And I'm going to try not to get in a car crash. You could die tomorrow. What, what are you fucking doing? Are you today? Right. All right. So I'm recording. Uh, I can edit penis. out whatever. And if you say something, penis. You, penis, if you say something that you don't want uh, shared with the entire world, just say it out loud and I'll edit it out. But uh, so, okay. We're talking about being sharks. <laughs> was that something where it was just like, did it come across as dumb or did it come across as like, yeah, because I feel like you're a shark. I mean, it's hard to always be on the, on the swim. You know what I mean? It's just you you get into ruts, you find yourself in, in spots and you're just like, you know, I got to do A, B, and C and you never quite get A done or you start A, you start B, you start C, but you never get them all done. And then What I try to do is I try to focus on like A through Z and it's like, if I can get two or three of those letters done, awesome. Like the best way to get myself out of a funk is just complete any task, sure. anything, yeah. anything. I checked my emails today. I replied to people. I, I scheduled one thing or I, I finished any task. The worst days for me are the ones where I'm just like, it's hopeless. I, I can't get anything done, so I don't do anything. Like the wasted days are the ones where the, they're absolutely the worst for me. Absolutely the worst. So it's not like I have to be like successful and busy all day, but it's like as long as I make the effort and like try to finish something, I'll feel fine. Even though I just cook myself dinner or do laundry, like I did something. You say you kind of feel like you're spinning your wheels sometimes. Like you have so many things going on that you have a hard time like figuring out what, then that falls right into that. So, yeah, I elevate myself in the mornings, and in the mornings I have, I guess, what's my version of a panic attack where I'm like, fuck, there's these 27 things I want to do. And every time I have a new thought, thank you, that looks delicious, um, I'll write on post-it notes all the different things that I want to accomplish that day, and then just set the task on those on those things. Yeah. And I'll feel better about myself knowing that I'm getting those things done. Take it I'll take another one of these and another one of these. Do you want another one of those? I'm still Two. working on it. Well, yeah, yeah, Two of these, one of those, one of those. I set myself like, Thanks for everybody. Excuse reminders me. for every day where it's like, I gotta be doing stuff all the time. Neat. And they don't have to be like crazy, intensive, intensive things, but it's like, my podcast, as much of a pain in the ass as it is, it's good to have a routine where it's like I have a. I'm going to schedule a time to talk to somebody that's a peer that I, you know, appreciate their opinion. We're going to talk about something. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to edit it. I'm going to put it together and schedule it. And I'm going to share it with people and hopefully somebody likes it. Like, that's just really good for me as like a routine. Yeah, same. Like, all the routines, the basic routines are right. down. Right. And other parts are just time fillers. Yeah. 
it's on my list to make one of those lists. <laughs> that was one of the best things about being on the board is they use all the Google suites, you know, Google Calendar and Drive and email and all this I, stuff. I That's a good-looking piece of meat. Yeah, I'll delete that shit. But uh, yeah, being on the the board, as much of a pain in the ass as it was, it gave me a bunch of like tools to make my life more efficient and better. What do you mean by that? Tools? Like, uh, you know, just something as simple as like, yeah, you know, learning how to handle Google Drive. You know, like with my classes, I can have folders for each individual class with the presentations. You can do it all online and share information and store videos and. Link it to YouTube, all that bullshit, you know? And it just makes it uh, easier for me to actually get stuff done. Because I'm the king of, like, starting a project and then never, ever finishing it. I hear that. Yeah. So, what made you decide to have somebody come out to your shop and do a class? Um, originally, I'd already been thinking about ways that I could help Tully start the, the make it easier on her mm. all right so first off most of my staff is riddled with anxiety <clears throat> the type of staff that would like go into a shop and just start crying because they're somewhere new you know what I mean um, so over the years I've been bringing education to the shop so I bring in at least one to two guest artists tattoo wise every yeah. month but I haven't really done that for piercing because we don't have a problem with going out and doing that right bringing Tolly in, she doesn't have the experience with that, so I'd already had my eyes on the idea of doing it. When I saw that you were in Chicago, I was like, yo, that dude's fucking far, three hours away. I'm yeah, just going to hit him up and see if it's uh, feasible for him to come down here. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't think you were going to do it, and I was actually more interested just doing the private class, because mm. I didn't think Hill, Leo, or JR would come down, being that they are really good body piercers. Right. They're very successful studios. They already know you. I've already heard a lot of things that you had to say. I actually didn't expect everybody to show up. I definitely so, appreciate it, too. I did, too. <clears throat> I thought uh, we were going to go more of like the private route. Right. Which would have been totally fine for me, too, because Tolly gets that experience. My apprentice gets that uh, experience just the same. Yeah. So that's what brought the idea of, of uh, doing it. It's two birds and one stone. I was yeah. already thinking about it. You were in Chicago. Um, I've heard you speak before at Camp AVP and at, uh, at, yeah, at a conference as well. You're the one that turned me on to my beard net. In the UK, they call them a snood. Yeah. Yeah. A snood. Appropriate. A snood. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm starting to look for, like, extra large beard nets. They're hard to find. You just got to stuff it in there. Yeah. Uh, That's what well, she said. <laughs> thank you for inviting me out. I, I do appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you coming out here, man. Truly. Uh, I'm going to stop this for a bit while we eat, so it's not yeah. just us chewing. So uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who came out to all those classes. I think it was something like, you know, 80 people total or something like that over the, the course of all those classes. So uh, thank you so much. You know, I really do appreciate the time, you know, taking the, the day off of work and sometimes flying in, definitely driving in, people who got hotels, uh, all that stuff. You know, I, I really, really do appreciate it. And, you know, I, I can't do this kind of stuff without uh, without your interest and your passion. So uh, thank you to everyone who talked with me. Uh, this was just kind of like a thrown together episode over the course of a week. You know, I get a lot of questions about what it's like going out on the road and doing this stuff. And, uh, so I just wanted to give you kind of like a little slice out of it. 
probably next week I'll have that interview with uh, with Rob Hill and Woodstock put together. And uh, the day before I, I left on these classes, uh, Shorty, a uh, piercer from Florida, stopped by my place. And we also recorded an interview there. That'll be uh, used within the next couple of weeks. And that was a good one. You know, we talk about a lot of different things. Uh, talk about sterile gloves and septum piercings and, and all different kinds of stuff. So going to keep this stuff rolling. Again, if you want to check out those classes, you can follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, or you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. Uh, but I'll be back next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.